Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the FT Advisor in Focus podcast, where we will be discussing tax planning following the Chancellor's spring budget. Against all expectations, Jeremy Hunt did pull a rabbit out of his hat earlier this month, as he abolished a lifetime allowance for pensions. There were other pension tax measures too, which together should make pensions central to many people's tax planning. But there were also some obvious gaps, particularly when it came to the housing sector. An anticipated extension of the VCT and EAS tax breaks beyond 2025 was also missing. So, what impact will the spring budget have on tax planning? With me here to discuss this today are Nimesh Shah, CEO of Blick Rothenberg, and Richard Stanley, partner at the Nottingham office of UHY Hacker Young. Hi both. Good Thanks morning. Thanks for joining me today. Good morning. Um, now, the Chancellor was quite generous when it came to pension tax, raising the annual allowance, scrapping the LTA, raising the MPAA. What will these measures mean for um, advice tax planning, Nimesh? Well, I suppose pensions have had so much change over the last, well, 15, 20 years. And almost people were saying that the pension was dead in large ways, that the lifetime allowance that had come down from 1.8 million down to 1 million or just over just 1 million. And the fact that the annual allowance, which had started off at 255,000 and now is 40,000, and it was tapered down right down to 4,000 in the Rishi Sunak budget in 2020, meant that the ability to contribute large amounts to pensions, build up a reasonable pot for retirement, had become quite limited. The relaxations last Wednesday uh, from the Jeremy Hunt budget were two things. One, the lifetime allowance, surprisingly, was completely scrapped. We were expecting in the uh, the, the, the press... Um, the press beforehand that the lifetime allowance would have been increased to 1.8 million, but he put his, pulled his rabbit out of the hat and said that is completely scrapped. And the annual allowance went from 40 to 60 and increases to the minimum tapered threshold from 4 to 10. So the ability for higher earners to make larger contributions without have, having to suffer that uh, lifetime allowance charge or an annual allowance charge, that flexibility has increased significantly through um, through the measures in the budget. The one thing I would say is that whilst the 60,000 annual allowance is generous, um, it's still tapered away. So for people that are earning over 240,000, that amount does come down, albeit it now comes down to £10,000 rather than 4000 which is effectively an additional tax relief of about £2,700 for a, for a really higher earner. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Richard, what um, what is your take on the pension tax announcements in the budget? Um, I think from a tax planning perspective, it, it's those that now have the capability are certainly going to be looking at maximising their pension contributions going forwards. And all those financial advisors as well as tax advisors are going to have to dust down their old pension files to have a look at what they now need to, to do. Um, those individuals, I think, that have stopped making pension contributions over the last few years because they were at the lifetime allowance or even over the lifetime allowance are now actually looking at maximising their last three years' contributions prior to the 5th of April and certainly then planning on putting in as much as possible post-5th of April, assuming that the legislation that's being proposed actually comes into force. Great. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, now... Labour has obviously been attacking these measures as a kind of giveaway to the rich. But are they barking up the wrong tree here? Nimesh, you've already said there is the annual allowance. Obviously, there is the MPAA. Um, it seems that the policy might actually achieve what it's designed to achieve, which is 
maybe entice people to stay and work for longer. Yeah, that was the always the policy objective. So the two measures in the budget around childcare, which we're not going to go into today, but pensions, was to try and get the economically inactive back into work. So specifically on pensions, what Jeremy Hunt was really targeting was the medical sector. So lots of senior consultants, doctors who had left the medical profession, left the NHS because they were faced with this unbelievable penal tax charge uh, because of the way the NHS pension contribution system works. And I was talking to um, an IFA yesterday who was saying that she has a client where because of um, an increase in earnings of £50,000 from this senior doctor, he was suffering an annual allowance charge um, um, of, uh, sorry, a, a lifetime allowance charge of £25,000. He had to find the cash to pay that charge. That didn't come out of the NHS scheme as well. So it was this strange misnomer that the cash flow that this individual suffered was coming out of his own pocket when he had mortgages, school fees, um, living costs to pay for. So it was more in his interest to not stay in that profession. That's what Jeremy Hunt was really targeting. Now, he could have made it so that it was very defined to the medical sector, but that would have been unbelievably complicated. So we're glad that he didn't do that. So this is a universal blanket approach to anyone who is suffering those lifetime allowance and annual allowance charges that they can contribute more to their pensions. Uh, What Labour have said is that this is really targeted at the top 1% of taxpayers Uh, in a way that they're right, yeah, but their calculations that I've seen in their press release over the last few days, there are some fundamental errors in their understanding of how this works. And I would say that the policy intention was good. I think the pension relaxations have gone a long way to try and getting back the medical profession professionals back into the NHS. And we're already hearing um, over the last few days of large numbers of um, medical consultants who are saying that because of the relaxation of the rules from Jeremy Hunt's budget, that they are now thinking about how they might come back into the workforce. So we've already seen that um, early snowball effect. So um, the proof will be how many then actually do come back in. We'll have to see some statistics uh, when the measures do take take effect. But for me, it does seem like a positive direction. Mm-hmm. What about you, Richard? Do you think Labour is right to attack these measures as a giveaway to the rich? I do take the point that Labour are making that I think the average men on the street will see this as a giveaway. But when you start to look at the cold facts of what the Chancellor is trying to achieve, whilst he has taken away the lifetime allowance so that anybody that reaches what is currently the 1.073 million and have pension pots above that would have suffered a 55% tax charge If you think about the numbers in a little more detail, they're no longer going to suffer that 55% tax charge, which means they're going to have a bigger pot. But if they get past the age of 75, then that pot is going to suffer income tax potentially at 40 or 45% when it's withdrawn. So the only tax effect in reality is probably a differential of only 10%, which if the pension pots are now going to get bigger and bigger, which I would expect them to, it means that the overall tax take is probably going to be in line or very similar to that that which the government would have had in, the, in, in previously. So whilst I think it is a bit of a giveaway, I think in the long term, it will start to average out as pension pots increase. Mm-hmm. And will we actually get to see the doctors returning to work? I think if they've already retired and are quite comfortable with what they're doing, they will probably start to do other things. But I think we just need to see the statistics as they come out and whether or not doctors do start to return to work. And it has the effect that was intended. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Richard. It's, a good, it's a great point from um, that Richard makes as well that uh, what Labour I think haven't quite um, haven't quite got their heads around as well in their press releases the the tax free the tax free amount that someone can take out of their pension is still capped at twenty five percent of the original lifetime allowance so you're still capped at two hundred sixty eight thousand um, and I completely agree with Richard's thoughts that people will contribute more to their pensions as a result of this change. And overall, the tax take shouldn't see too much of a burden, albeit there will be a timing effect of when that will uh, when that will come in. So it's not the big giveaway that maybe that Labour are proclaiming that it is because of that restriction on the uh, tax-free lump sum. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, we also have quite generous death benefits um policies in place at the moment and some have said that maybe to counterbalance you know the LTA announcement he could have cut back on death benefits a little bit to encourage people to use their pensions during their lifetimes basically do you think that this would have been something that he should have perhaps introduced I think it would have been taking away with the other hand as well to a large degree pensions have become an interesting inheritance tax planning tool as well and the fact that the lifetime allowance now has been removed completely that that is an opportunity now for people to contribute more to their pensions and the pensions freedoms that i think were introduced back in 2015 that really did simplify quite a lot of the inheritance tax regime around pensions uh, i think that would have been a bit of a blow had they done what they did do with the annual allowance the lifetime allowance but then remove that inheritance tax exemption. So I don't think it was the right time right now to do it because that wasn't the policy objective. I think it would have then deterred people from going back into the workforce. Again, that's the point of these measures. Um, But what we do need to watch out for, going back to the previous question, was around Labour's assertions that they will reintroduce the lifetime allowance. Are they going to do something on the inheritance tax treatment of pensions as well? That will make people nervous, and I've already seen some um, uh, some reaction from uh, independent financial advisors and people who wanted to contribute to their pensions. Say we need to have a mad rush now between now and the next election to try and get as much as we can into our pensions to lock in those current benefits of the higher lifetime allowance and uh, the inheritance tax uh, protection as well, because those things probably are up for grabs uh, should Labour come into government in the future. Mm, absolutely, Richard. Do you do you think that Labour could practically actually bring back the LTA after taking office? And how do advisors plan for that eventuality? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I hate the fact that pensions now to, now seem to be a bit of a political football ping-ponging from one to the other. One will give away and then one will take it away. Um, I think that any pensions advice now probably needs to come with a government health warning written on the side of the packet almost. Um Will they take the LTA away or reintroduce it? Um, I think if they do, they will have to take stock of the amount that people would have invested between the change in the legislation and then coming into power plus certain growth. So I don't think they could reintroduce it at 1.073 million. They would have to bring it in at a much higher level. Otherwise, it makes a mockery of the legislation that's going to be introduced now. Um, And it would mean that nobody could really give good, concrete financial advice to individuals that are now looking to invest to maximise the benefits that they may be able to take in the longer term. Um, So, yes, they will probably bring something back, but quite what, I'm not too sure at this point in time. 
And presumably, Richard, it would mean another form of fixed protection as well. Is that the third form of fixed protection that we would see if they do decide to remove the lifetime allowance? So it becomes hugely complicated again for advisors and for people to plan. It it does become hugely complicated. Um, And yes, you would need an element of fixed protection bringing back in at whatever level was appropriate at the time. And when you think about it, we don't have very long between now and January 25, which is the, the latest date by which an election is going to have to take place. And I suspect it will take place sometime towards the middle or end of next year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, OK, well, something something to watch out for, for sure. Um, now, let's look at something that wasn't in the budget, although there were some similar measures in there, I suppose. So it's the VCT and EAS um, sunset clause, which basically means that um, the um, the tax giveaways on VCTs and EASs are coming to an end in 2025. Quasi um, Kwarteng and his budget pledged that this sunset clause would be extended and people were hoping that in this budget um, this would be confirmed. It wasn't, but as, uh, instead, I suppose, um, he introduced 12 investment zones for tech-focused businesses. What do you make of that, um, um, Yeah, uh, I think the venture capital community has been looking over their shoulders around those sunset clauses. So VCTs, EIS is hugely generous, have been part, a big part of the UK uh, tax efficient investing regime for over 20 years now and beyond. And it's a 30% tax back for every pound that you put into those schemes. And they've been really widely used, especially going back to the question and comments on pensions. That they've been an alternative to pensions for many people who have been capped out on their annual allowance or lifetime allowance. So people have got used to the rhythm of putting money into VCTs, that five-year cycle, EISs. It's a little bit more unknown um, because it will depend on the success of the company. Um, but both those 30% tax reliefs have been really, really valuable. As you said, Kwasi Kwarteng in his ill-fated mini-budget was looking to extend those reliefs, uh, sorry, extend those uh, sunset clauses so that they didn't expire in 2025. The budget was completely silent on that um, on Wednesday. I wasn't probably expecting anything to be said. I think we're assuming that those schemes will be extended. Um Part of the frustration around extending those schemes is actually EU state aid laws. Um, and now that we've had Brexit, those barriers aren't as, aren't as pronounced as what they were before. So I'm fully expecting that um, the schemes will be extended. The government has got a bit of time. They've probably got other things on their plate at the moment. So I expect to see some announcement on that uh, in the autumn budget uh, that those schemes will be extended. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think, um, Richard? I agree with with what you're saying there. I think that they will be extended in the autumn budget because VCT and EIS investments do play a crucial part of you know the UK's funding system for SMEs, um, especially when the banks and the you know the larger VC houses are looking for the bigger investments. So I think without some early indication, probably in the autumn of this year, um, investment into SMEs will be impacted going forwards because. The, these smaller investments do play a crucial part, I think, when businesses are looking to grow. Yeah. And I mean, for advisors, VCTs and EASs have actually proved quite a popular kind of tax planning um, mechanism. Um, now, as pension tax relief is getting more generous and VCTs and EASs might not be extended, although they probably will, but do you think they'll lose a little bit of their edge for advisors? No, I don't think so, so much from what I said before. I think VCTs in, VCTs in particular have become a real mainstay of advice and financial and tax planning. 
especially those with with very high incomes as well. And don't forget, some people will still be limited to a tapered annual allowance. So their ability and excess cash to still contribute into VCTs are still there. Um, The fact that you get tax-free dividends, it's a tax-free exit, those things are really attractive. The money isn't locked away until retirement. So you do have this five-year cycle to lock in the tax release. And I suppose, in a way, the pension restrictions that we've had over the last few years has brought VCTs more into the forefront. And I think people are in that habit. So I think that journey will continue. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree with that entirely because there are an awful lot of clients that we deal with that can't even make pension contributions because of their level of income. And they are sophisticated investors, so they like the way that VCTs and EIS works in terms of the income tax relief and the tax-free exit. And they combine that with other investments, whether it's EIS, um, sorry, um, ICES. Um, I think the way that people probably invest now if somebody got a hundred thousand pounds to invest it used to be forty thousand into a pension twenty thousand into an ISA and then forty thousand into other types of investments BCTs EISs I think that will change I think it'll be people will try and put as much into the pension still stick with their ISAs and then it'll be less that might go into other VCT EIS type investments mm-hmm. okay um great so now, other than the rabbit in the hat, which was pension tax, obviously, um, and the more obvious announcements such as free childcare um, for the under, was it under twos, under threes? Um, what else caught your eye? Caught your eye in the budget? I mean, maybe just going slightly back towards the venture capital regimes. Um, there was a little bit hidden away around SEIS. So. Um, this was a scheme that was only ever meant to be temporary when it was first introduced. So this gives an enhanced turbocharged version of EIS, a 50% income tax credit and 50% reinvestment relief uh, for capital gains as well. So you can get effective tax relief on an SEIS of 86.5% if you have gains that are taxed at 28%. Now, what was hidden away in the budget notes on Wednesday was that the limits on SEIS are becoming more generous. So the amount that the company can raise is going up by 100,000 to 250,000. And the amount that an investor can put in is going up from 100 to 200. So doubling the amount. And there are some relaxations on the types of qualifying company as well. So I do wonder for advisors um, and individuals thinking about how their investments are structured, what Richard was going back to around putting the various amounts of money into different pots, whether SEIS will start to get a bit more attention because the downside relief, uh, given the loss relief and the CGT and the income tax, your your risk capital is is just over is just under fifteen percent. So that's quite um, that's quite attractive now. Mm-hmm. What about you, Richard? Yes, um, I, I did notice that little increase. Um, SEIS, though, is a little more tricky and probably a little more difficult for certain investors to invest in. I suppose from a tax point of view, the temporary introduction of the, the full expensing relief for three years is a welcome change. Will that actually benefit a lot of clients and release capital and cash for further investment? I'm not too sure. We already have an annual investment allowance of a million pounds. Taking away that cap effectively for the next three years will only help the larger corporates, the owner-managed business. It probably won't necessarily help. Um, I think that was probably the biggest change that I saw from a tax point of view. Okay, excellent. And what didn't you see, Richard? What what wasn't in there that you would have liked to see? Well, they didn't really do anything with 
property, um, which might have been nice to see in terms of helping the property market and getting that back on the ladder. It's suffering at the moment with higher interest rates and whether or not we could have seen another relaxation in stamp duty or changes to stamp duty, that would have been quite welcome. Um, there was then minor changes to, to, to ISAs in terms of certain investments that could be now be put in there. But I think the chance was probably limited in what he could do because he didn't have that much to spend. I think a lot of his um, savings were done through spending rather than through changes to the tax system. Mm -hmm. So anything you would have liked to see, Numesh? The, the thing that wasn't in there that a lot of the Tory backbenchers were pushing for was the reversal of the corporation tax increase from uh, 90 to 25%. As Richard was saying, what we got instead was um, this full expensing of capital expenditure. Now, for for in, for individuals and investors, what's become popular over the years has been, um, because of restrictions on pensions again, the amount you can contribute to EIS and VCTs um, and ISAs, that people have started setting up investment companies or so-called family investment companies. So those are going to become maybe slightly less attractive now because of that 6% increase in the corporation tax rate. The full expensing relief is not going to have too much or if any impact at all for people who have family investment companies because what's held in those are investments. So it would have been great to see from a wider UK corporate regime that the rate would have come down. Uh, it's unlikely now that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, we might get a giveaway in the autumn budget or a, or a line of sight that the rate um, may be staggered down over a period of time. But in the meantime, um, investors just generally as a family unit, um, using your ISAs, pensions, VCTs, etc., but having offshore bonds or family investment companies as vehicles, family investment companies have become a little bit less uh, less favourable. The other thing that I would have liked to have seen was the unfreezing of the allowances. Uh, this is a Rishi Sunak measure that was brought in, and it's this stealth tax that drags lots of people into higher rates of income tax. I think I read a statistic today that the full freezing of the allowances until 2028 is effectively the same as a 4% increase on the basic rate of income tax. So that's going to affect lots of people right across the board, um, probably targeted more at the at the lower and middle earner, actually. It has a much more severe impact at that level rather than the higher earner, especially with soaring inflation. Um, that doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon. I did see some commentary from Labour saying pretty much staying silent on that because it is a huge tax raising measure, um, especially as inflation still is is, is still very high. Um but that's certainly the measure that I'd like to see around the unfreezing the allowances. And more widely, um, the personal tax system, as we've covered on this sort of very short podcast so far, there's lots of spikes and anomalies that happen as people's incomes change. It's not a smooth uh, smooth line, smooth diagonal line all the way up. As you earn more, you pay more tax. We have these horrendous spikes at 50,000 when child benefit gets clawed back, 100,000 when the tape tapered personal allowance goes away, 240000 for your tapered pension allowance. And there's a lot more tax-free childcare at 100000 I could keep going on about this all day. These anomalies in the personal tax system create huge distortions and behavioural impacts for people and advisors around how they set up their affairs. And some unknowingly walk into that trap. My view would be that if the government really want to get the so-called economically inactive, the working parents, the, the older worker back into the workplace, they really do need to simplify those spikes because that's a big deterrent to actually working and progression. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think a lot of people would agree uh, with you on that. Um, I suppose we'll just have to wait and see until the autumn budget and hope for the best. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today, um, Richard and Nimesh. It was fantastic, um, fantastic podcast. Great to talk to you. And thank you for listening. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.